0: welcome back to post to post we've got part two of our roundtable with kobe ethan and spencer welcome back boys let's get started well speaking of one of the worst teams in the league to one of the best what has gone on with florida they have taken over the discover central division they are first in the entire league what happened in florida uh is it Joel Quenville being the new head coach? Is it the emergence of Drieger and Net over Bobrovsky? Or have the fi- team fi- finally figured out how to play? Uh, Ethan, we'll start with you.
1: Mm. Man. I think combination of all three. I think Joel Quenville absolutely helps. He's an incredible coach, top three in the league. Um, like I said, earlier, I don't know too much about coaches, but I know he's good and he's really helped turn around this Florida team and they're looking really good. I think also just emergence, uh, the emergence of some not as known players like Carter Verhage. Um, that Patrick Hornquist trade was awesome. And yeah, it, um, Yeah, they're just looking really good. Spencer?
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of all three. They finally have a backup to get some of that uh, weight off of uh, Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky's played 16 games. Draggers played 12. Both have been just incredible this season. Bobrovsky's allowed a couple more goals, um, but he's still putting up pretty good numbers, 12 wins, two losses. And it's just emergence of guys on pretty friendly, team-friendly contracts. They don't have too, too many bad contracts now. Getting rid of uh, Mike Madison for um, who did, oh, Hornquist. He's third on the team in points.
0: Colby?
3: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll say it's probably pretty hard to do bad for a long time with Coach Q uh, on your bench. I agree with Ethan the Hornquist trade. That was, that was a steal. You know, you look at it and you wonder what Pittsburgh was thinking. It could have been cap relief. It could have been, they thought he was declining could be a number of things. We don't know what's going on, but I also think Florida's depth is just picking up. I agree with what Spencer said that, you know, team friends, team friendly contracts are really helping them out. Like, uh, 10 out of their 18 like regular roster players have over 10 points. It's just, they've kind of came out of nowhere, honestly.
0: No, I think I, I think it's, you know, they finally got a good coach and someone to take off the load from Bobrovsky. Uh, is a good goaltender. I think he's just getting paid too much, but he is a good goaltender. Other than him like the highest contract they have is seven, seven point five mil and that is Ekblad. Yeah. And he's a fantastic defenseman. And I think Barkov and Huberto, um, have really stepped into their roles and show that they're a fantastic team. Like they still got 3.5 million in cap space, uh, and they, stay, they, they maximize their, their roster size, but so far they've been doing well, I think. From not, that. not a
2: forward over uh, 6 million. When you have Huberto, Barkov, and Hornquist all under 6 mil, kind of reminds me of what Boston did for, with uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and David Pasternak. Kept them all team-friendly deals so that they could get more pieces around them. I think those three understand: the cheaper their deals are, um, the
1: more pieces
2: that they're going to be able to add.
1: How many more years do Barkov and Huberdeau have on their deals? Two and two years for Barkov, and three for Huberdeau, I believe. Well, so about a couple of years in them. That's after this season, or including this season? In-
0: including this season. Including this season. So so yeah, two years know. for Huberto after the season, one year for Barkov, and uh, four years for uh, Ekblad.
2: Yeah, yeah they, uh, they're first in the league right now. Tampa's in the game right now. If they win that game, which I, th- I think they just won in a shootout, so they're going to be tied with 42 points. Carolina's right behind them 41 points, Washington 42 points, Islanders 42 points. All all those teams that are usually in the East Division, they uh they're definitely making a they're going to make it hard to make it to the finals.
0: So, speaking in the Discover Central Division, you know, we see the trade of Dubois And Line one for one. Dubois is he's he's still he's finding his his uh, his uh, role in Winnipeg. But what's going on with between Line and John Tortorello? He got basically benched pretty much almost benched every single game or limited minutes in every single game he's played and they're below 500. What what do you think Line is gone again?
3: I'll start with Colby. When Patrick Liney was traded to Columbus, I think we all kind of knew there was going to be problems between him and Tortorella. I don't see. It's hard to see whether Liney is going to be gone. It, what's his contract? Do you guys know his contract?
2: Yeah. Not off the top of my head.
0: Line's got a four point nine nine five and he's a restricted free agent next year with arbitration Ooh. rates.
3: Yeah. I I just don't see him signing long term in Columbus. I think Columbus is they kind of remind me of the flames of the East and that they're they're being mediocre when they get into the playoffs, they usually don't go far. I don't know. I think when the trade happened, everyone, you know, looking at it, you like to see Line A and in, in Columbus, and you you think, oh wow, well the Columbus won this trade. And I think as far as Jack Roslovic goes, they definitely like that was a good pickup. And Roslovic was not going to play another game in Winnipeg, so it works for Winnipeg to to ship him out, but. I don't know. I think Laine is gonna. He's he's got a history of being a hard player to coach, and I don't see him being in Columbus super long. We'll
0: go over to Ethan.
1: I think I've I've always seen Patrick Laine as a player who's got an incredible shot, but he's not a hustle player. He doesn't uh, back check hard. He doesn't um, you know, have to escape very hard because he can just set up in Obie's office and blast one-timers. And John Tortorella, he doesn't care if you're a star player. If you're not willing to work, he's going to bench you. I think that's where a lot of the conflict has come. And I think Patrick Laine could work in that system. I think someone with Patrick Line's skill set works perfectly in Columbus because they don't have a true number one scoring option. Um, Well, I mean, you know, it was Cam Atkinson before, but line has got that star power, that um, offensive talent that can drive an offense for years. Uh, I think he just needs to be able to learn to work in uh, Tortorella's system, um, be willing to work hard. And I think it's going to, Pay off for him. I think it's gonna work out super well for both Columbus and Line if he can just get some confidence back. Um, understand that it's not personal between him and Tortorella, and just learn to work hard, do the do the work, play good defense, and he's gonna benefit from it.
0: Spencer. Um, yeah, exactly
2: what Ethan just said. Um Line could work out. He's got the size, he's six foot five. He hasn't. He's shown that he's willing to fight for his guys when needed. He just needs to work on his defensive game. Minus seven in his last 10 games, not a game above zero. Or sorry, he's a minus eight in his last 10, but he's been a minus in seven games out of those 10. Two points total, both happened in the same game. So line is too good to go pointless nine out of 10 games. It's a huge reason why they're struggling. And he's he's young. He's only 22. Turns 23 n- next month. He could turn it around easily. Kind of got a shot that reminds me of like Solané and Ovechkin. But he's he's got some big size on him. It's not often you get that kind of shot from a six foot five winger very often, especially in today's day and age of speed and skill. He definitely has the skill and speed. He just has that extra size X factor.
0: For sure. I, I think he, he just needs to put his differences aside and be like, look, it's a team game. You're a star. You got to prove you're a star and use your size advantage. Uh, and be like, he's got an excellent shot, but you got to work on your defensive game. And I think if he lets Tortorella coach him and opens his mind, I think he'll be he'll be a menace to play against and I think Columbus will, you know, push their way into a playoff spot potentially uh in the central division. And so we'll, we'll head over to the Honda West division here. Biggest surprises so far. Um for me it's going to be Minnesota. I think Minnesota's you know they've really came out flying. They've got some good, solid goaltending with um, with uh, Cam Talbot and their and their rookie, um, which has caused you know Stalock to get waived and then picked up by Edmonton. Um, yeah, Capo uh, Käkinen. I think the two of them have played well, and it 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 made a hole uh, that couldn't be filled by uh, Stalock which ended up going and then you can't forget uh their star rookie uh Kaprizov and he's been unreal. Like he's been literally unreal. 26 games, 10 goals, 14 assists, plus 10. Um 14.9% shooting percentage. Uh and as a as a fifth round pick, only 5'9", he's not a big guy, but he's really proven. So that that's my pick for the the West Division, uh, Spencer. What about you? Has to be the wild,
2: um, Kachanin's had a incredible season: eleven wins, four losses, two point one nine goals against average. I I think he was a he was a fourth round draft pick as well. Minnesota's slowly becoming the the next Detroit Red Wings, and that's pretty bold considering how well Detroit obviously was and like the 2010 early 2010s, they just they've been able to capitalize on late round draft picks, and they're getting scoring out of everyone. Eleven players with 11 points. Their second best scorer has been Jordan Greenway. I don't think many people would have seen the six foot six get six foot six uh, forward putting up 19 points, even in the entire probably in the entire season. They've been getting scoring everywhere. They've been keeping the puck out. They wear you down. Everyone's willing to throw the body, and they're going to win a, their style of hockey games in 3-1, three, 3-2 three, sort of scoring games.
0: Ethan?
1: Yeah, it's got to be the Wild. Um, man, what happened with this team? I don't think they made any major... Uh, front office changes over the summer. Did they? No, no. Yeah. So it's just the same, same, exact, same coach. Um, Kaprizov has been absolutely incredible for the Wild. Um, yeah, good. Just like good old old school hockey. Willing to grind it out, wear you down. Um, I'm gonna be honest. They've kind of flown under the radar for me. I knew they were doing well. I didn't realize how well they were doing, because Minnesota is one of those teams that doesn't get a lot of media attention. Um, and I guess I was just thinking, um, they made that trade for uh, Marcus Johansson over the summer sending Eric Stahl to Buffalo. Um, I think you guys might remember when that happened. I ripped Minnesota for that trade because I think Eric Stahl's just a better player than Marcus Johansson. And I think this team could be even better if they still had Eric Stahl. But... Yeah, they maybe. haven't got anything
2: from uh, Marcus Johansson. Sure. He's been out for it'll be a month on uh, Thursday that he's been out. He's still not ready. He's got three points in 11 games. Just imagine how much better and how much more complete they would be with uh, Eric Stahl there, or at least just a body still like healthy.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I mean, it's nothing short of a, like a miracle to see how. Um, how Minnesota's turned out this year.
2: I, I would not want to play that team in the playoffs, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Colby? I, know, I think their head coach is Dean Evison. Yeah, it's really the first time I've even heard that name. Is it, is it his first year of
3: coaching? I think it's his second year, or at least he was, I thought he was brought in halfway through last season.
0: Yeah, he came I, in I know, uh, I, hired. He came in in February of last season. Yeah, I know he coached like I think he coached the Hitman
2: maybe in the ninety like ninety nine season. Um,
0: but yeah, no. He he was an assistant he, head coach in Washington for six years from two thousand five to two thousand twelve, and then he okay. moved in to as the assistant coach uh, of Minnesota in twenty eighteen in June and then took over as interim GM or interim coach uh, in the 2020 season. And then they hired him as a full coach to a two-year contract in July.
2: Seems their head coach also played in the NHL for quite a bit. 803 games, 372 points, 1,000 penalty minutes. Definitely reflects how they've been playing this season.
1: Just Grit and grind reminds me of when, um, who's the head coach of Carolina, Rod Brandemore?
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When he came and he said, uh, I think like on their schedule, it was just like five grit and grind practices, mm. and look how it's paid off for them.
3: For
0: Colby, who's your, who's your surprise in the last division there?
3: Yeah as much as I'd like to go with another team I have to you have to go with Minnesota. I'm I will I will point out I'm happy for them. I think they've Minnesota fans have wanted to see this team for for many years and it's looked like it might have been there and then it it's not and they've been up and down and so I'm happy to see them finally getting some success. Uh, when I look at Caprizov I I I see a Johnny Gaudreau type of style, you know, picked late in the draft, short. He's he's five nine. Like, I think he's going to be a stud for them for sure. Um, For at least, well, he's he's going to have a long career. It's his it's his rookie year, right? But uh, I don't think anyone saw him coming forward as possible Calder winner there. Um, I just I. I think if Minnesota continues uh, the way that they're going, they will. They could definitely be uh, a contender to to make it to the the conference finals and maybe even the finals. I agree with Spencer. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. They're,
2: they're definitely a dark horse. And yeah. It's not like they've been like bad bad. They only have one losing season. Um, between 2010 and this season, three total in their entire franchise dating back from the 2000, 2001 season. Mm -hmm. They've never had true, true star power, but they've never been horrible where they've needed to get rid of everyone from top to bottom and start from the beginning and sort of like tank. They've never been that bad. They've just... They've always been, like, that first team out of the
3: playoffs. Mm-hmm. They've, like been, in- they've, they've been mediocre, and yeah. they've needed a star like caprizov and if caprizov is going to continue to play the way he's playing, they've got their guy.
1: When you think about Minnesota's drafting history, they haven't had, like, those high draft picks. It's always been kind of, like, middling, like, in terms of first rounders last year, Marco Rossi. That's you know obviously a pretty big name. Year before, Matthew Boldy. Year before that, Philip Johansson uh, didn't have a first rounder the year before that. Then Luke Cunnan, Joel Erickson, eck Alex Tuck. So they're not drafting these big name guys, but they're working. Mm-hmm. Since
2: uh, twenty
3: thirteen,
2: they've had one pick in the top ten. It was last year, Marco Rossi. Dumbo was 7th in 2012, Jonas Brodin 10th in 2011. They haven't been good enough to pick in the top 10, barely the top five, just once in 2005 when they picked up Puglia, fourth overall.
1: Hey, Kaprizov, another stud coming out of that stacked 2015 draft.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they got uh, Joel erickson 20th overall, Jordan Greenway, 50th. They've been getting value from where they've been picking. I'm starting to believe their scout team might be one of the best scout teams in the league.
0: For sure, they're definitely a team to team to beat. And I think, you know, they can challenge for that top spot uh in against Vegas, I think they're only what two points behind them and Vegas has only one game in hand. I, I think uh, it's four now. Uh, oh four now. I yeah, I think it might be four. For sure. Um uh speaking in the West Division, you know, St. Louis made some big offseason, you know, moves, you know, losing Petrangelo, signing Tori Krug and Mike Hoffman. But the biggest disappointment is, you know, and then they just re-signed, uh, extended Jordan Binnington to a six-time a six by six deal. But if you look at his last four games, he's been pulled in three of them, or sorry, he's been pulled in one and lost two in uh, OT loss. He's one zero oh, and two, and been pulled in one game. And only one of the games, he's been over 900 as a safe percentage. What's going on with Bennington?
3: Nervous. Nervousness? Yeah, sounds like he's
1: nervous. <laughs> Do you look nervous?
3: I um, With Bennington, you know, his 6 by 6 contract, first of all, when he signed that, if he plays the way he's playing, that's a good contract. Like that's kind of about where I saw him signing, um, anyways. But it also could have the potential to turn into a, a Jeff Skinner situation. Maybe not quite as bad, you know. It's goaltending. It could be. It could definitely turn out differently, and he could just be in a, in a bad stretch. And we have to remember that St. Louis—the year they won the Cup—they were dead last in January, and you know he came out and he he played them to a Stanley cup. He's not someone that I think should be taken lightly or when he has a bad stretch here, it's not, Oh, he's a bad goaltender. I think, you know, it's not easy to win a Stanley cup, let alone come from last place in the league to do it. So I can, I don't see Bennington being like uh, playing like this for too long. I'm sure he'll get some support and he'll find his game again.
0: Spencer, yeah, he just hasn't been able to keep the puck
3: out the net. They've
2: allowed ninety-two goals on the season. That is eight more than the Devils have this season. And the Devils have been pretty bad, and yet the St. Louis Blues are still in a playoff spot, pretty comfortable too, five-point lead over the LA Kings. They, uh, they just need better play from Bennington and they're right up in there.
1: Ethan? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's hard to say with goalies because goalies can go, you know, one year they're great. Next year they just completely fall off a cliff. I mean, we saw that with Cam Talbot and Edmonton. He had an incredible year, brought them to the playoffs, and then fell off a cliff and was traded a couple seasons later. Um you know, Jordan Bennington, he's twenty seven, he's not anywhere near the twilight of his career. I, I don't think anyways. Um yeah, I, I don't I don't see much reason for concern for for blues fans. Um yeah, I, I think Jordan Bennington I, I think he's gonna pick it back up. You know, I, I don't see him staying down for too long. Um yeah, I, I do – I am a little – not concerned, but I think it's interesting about how quick Blue's management has been to hand out contracts. Like that Justin Falk deal, um, not saying that Justin Falk has I, – I think Justin Falk's been pretty decent this season, right? Um, but, you know, that, that Falk contract was the reason they couldn't re-sign Petrangelo. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just I guess wondering what kind of thought process is for that that Blues management.
2: They haven't had uh, too many favors though with the injury bug. Like you look at it, Tyler Bozak, he's on IR. Carl Gunnison, IR. Jaden Swartz been out for almost um he's been out for a month. He is gonna return very soon, but that hurt. Colton Paranko. He's been out for close to a month now, a month today. Robert Thomas, he's been out for a month plus. All of those guys, those are key, key guys that they need in the lineup. I wouldn't wouldn't hit the panic button just yet with the Blues. Once they get even half of those players back, I'm sure they pick it right back up.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know they're almost there. I think you know Bennington can pick up his game. Uh, they're they're set in stone, and they're gonna they're gonna do a they're gonna be okay uh, once as well. within their players come back, that's a huge boost for their team. And you know it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting way with the playoffs the way they're set right now. And now it's gonna work like there's a lot of you know teams right on the edge. You know Columbus is only what four points out of behind Chicago Uh, Philadelphia is only three points behind Boston Uh, Calgary is two points behind Montreal and Los Angeles is uh, five points uh, behind St. Louis with teams being so close, especially the Scotia North division between, you know, four, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, it's the biggest difference is only six points. And it's going to be interesting the way it goes out. And as we discussed last time, you know, we we chose Stanley Cup winners, and Spencer chose Vegas. Kobe had Vegas as well, and Ethan and I had Colorado. Now, gentlemen, we're about halfway through our season. Has our pick changed? So I'll start with Spencer. Has your pick changed? Nope, Vegas still
2: wins. I think in. I think I had them playing Tampa. Instead of Tampa, they play the Carolina Hurricanes. What Marc-Andre Fleury has been able to do this season is Vezina worthy. I, I don't see anyone beating Vegas in a seven-game series. Fleury's reamped his game once again. I, I think Vegas is right there. I think they're the, be- they're the team to beat.
0: Ethan, have you changed?
1: Um, Yes, just on the sole reason alone that Colorado cannot stay healthy. Um, I don't know. I I don't have a prediction for who I think it's going to be right now. Um, For me, there's just so many good teams, but not enough teams that I think have, are, are, are just so dominant that that no team in the league can touch them. Um, I think you can't rule out Tampa Bay. Vegas looks really good. Um, the Islanders, with their pretty stingy defensive play, could make a good run at it. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what's been going on with Colorado, but they've just been plagued by injuries for the past couple seasons now. And it sucks because they're uh, we we've yet to see Colorado at their full potential.
3: Colby, I'm I'm gonna stick with Vegas uh, winning. You know, Vegas has a winning culture. You go, you see, they trade for a guy you've never heard his name before, and he goes in and he makes a name for himself in Vegas. They just Spencer's right; they're the team to beat. However, I am between uh, Washington and the Islanders. I know I said that what they, um, Vegas over Washington um, rematch of the, the 2018 Stanley cup final, but I'm starting to think, you know, that Barry Trotz style of play with the Islanders. I think, I think they could go to the, to the finals this year. And I, I still think Vegas will win, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, Change and say Vegas over the Islanders.
0: So a little bit difference here. Uh, I chose Colorado. And again, like, I think, you know, the health issue has been a big thing uh, for them. I honestly don't know. I think it's, it's hard because, you know, teams haven't been playing out of their divisions, so we can't really see the style of play, but I have this feeling. I've seen Toronto play and I think, they they they've got a good team there. They've got like Austin Matthews is literally lighting it up. Um you know that John Tavares is there, you know, William Nylander, Mitch Marner and and, du- and Dubas said that he's ready to move prospect player prospect top prospects for their team. And their are so and their their concentration is is their forward. Their forwards and for trade and I think you know it may be close with toronto coming out of there but i think you know they one of the scotia north canadian division teams are going to make it to the finals i don't think they'll win i think they'll make it to the stanley cup final but i think it's going to be either washington or colorado if they can stay healthy uh winning the cup this year Uh, but for the last topic uh, before we all close out today is I want to talk about, we, we see how good Connor McDavid is. How long do you think he waits before asking a trade? And the second part of that is, do you think he wins the Stanley cup as an Edmonton oiler? I'll start with Spencer.
2: Um, they've, They're definitely trending in the right direction, um, but it's, it's just not enough to beat a Toronto or a Winni- even a Winnipeg in a seven-game series. And by some divine miracle, if they do, Vegas, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis, they would all be massive favorites to knock out Edmonton. They've got the best player in the world and probably a top 5, 10 player in dry style, But what else do they have? They just have a bunch of guys that would be on everyone's probably second, third line, second defensive pairing. They, they just need some depth. I, I don't see him winning in Edmonton. I would say he gives it a – if Eichel can get traded, McDavid can get traded, especially if Gretzky was traded way back in the day. I, I give Edmonton two years before they start to uh, strip it down.
1: Even? Uh, I'd say also maybe a couple of years. You can definitely tell that McDavid started to get frustrated that you have two, like, for sure, top 10 players in the league on a team producing just being absolutely insane for them, and they can't do anything with it. Um, they have dry settle like eight and a half million, which for someone who will put up over hundred points in a regular season is an absolute steal um but they can't build anything around it um yeah, unless they're able to find pieces and um that are willing to i i I don't even know what i'm saying it's it's hard to. See Edmonton doing anything at least right now. Um, yeah, so if they keep going, if they keep going the the direction they're going, I see McDavid asking for a trade in a year or two.
0: Do you think he wins a cup with Edmonton? Right now, no. Colby.
3: I'll start right away and I'll say, I don't think he wins a cup in Edmonton. No, I think Connor McDavid will win a Stanley cup or a couple Stanley cups in his career. He's too good. Not to, he's just got to find his right team. Um, But I'd say with Edmonton, I, uh, the farthest I see them going is potentially conference final. And I think if that doesn't happen for sure in the next two years, that third year, he probably, he probably looks at his options and, and sees where he can go, and the the other problem with that is that McDavid's on a what is his contract? Eight years. So if he's on an eight year contract, three four years from now, he's just over halfway through his contract, um, and he's in the prime of his career. What does a team have to give up to get Connor McDavid? Do they have to give up so much that? they essentially become the Oilers again uh, where they just don't have the resources, the players, the cap space to support McDavid. Um, And that's kind of the big, the big question you got to pose, you know, trading for Gretzky in LA was not cheap and uh, it definitely won't be cheap to trade for Connor McDavid in the prime of his career. So, again, Edmonton furthest I see them going as a conference final, but I I don't see him winning a Stanley Cup in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you all, I think. McDavid doesn't win a Cup in Edmonton. He's gone in two years. And the feeling I have, I don't know why I have this feeling, but I feel McDavid is going to the New York Rangers.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just if you we got Panera in there and you know the talent that they have over there, especially with their young goaltenders, uh I think McDavid would just fit perfectly in that line in that lineup and that team would be would just dominate. And yeah, I I think two years and McDavid's out. Who comes back? It's going to say- be yeah, four
2: first rounders, probably cackle, cackle Um, And one of their two goalies, because that's, that's probably their biggest need right now. You're not going to win with a 38-year-old Mike Smith, who, yes, has been pretty good this season, but he's not going to keep it up. And then a 32-year-old Koskinen, who pretty much played every single game for the first 20 games of the season and has tired himself out. Has not looked the same since. Probably have to ask for one of those two goalies from the Rangers. I would say Kako, maybe even Laffy Taffy if the Rangers really wanted him. That's what I was going to
1: say. I could definitely see Lafreniere going back the other way. Yeah. I would see a, a way the Rangers say no to that. Yeah. You don't say I would rather take Lafreniere over McDavid. Because Lafreniere was never supposed to be the next McDavid. No.
3: McDavid was supposed to be the next Gretzky. Mm. And uh, I agree. I don't I don't see any trade uh, to the Rangers in which Lafreniere does not go back to Edmonton.
1: I don't see any trade where Edmonton wins that trade.
3: I agree. Edmonton will lose the McDavid trade if it when it inevitably happens if it happens I mean obviously we don't know anything but if it happens you're right I don't think Edmonton um, has any option to win
1: that trade I could see McDavid becoming if McDavid doesn't win a cup or stays with Edmonton I could see him being the best player in NHL history to never win a cup
3: Mm -hmm. I'm truly believe if he stays in Edmonton uh, for the large part of his career, he probably won't win a cup. I don't, I just feel, there's just this feel with Edmonton that they can't figure it out. You know, they've tried, they tried to sign Markstrom in the off season. They tried, you know, they have Tyson Berry right now. Does Tyson Berry resign with them? Do they have the cap space to do that? And then they just they can't build depth when you've got two players taking up a quarter of your cap.
0: Well, that's the I thing. Think. It's like good players, uh, they need to know that you got can't take a massive contract, because then you, there's no room for your team to be built around to build other mm-hmm. good players. And I think if you look at Crosby and the way he's done his contract, yes, he gets so many endorsements. And gets his money paid out that way. But he was able to have a team built around him so that they could win two in a row and almost three in a row. Mm
3: -hmm. I uh, listen, I know that Crosby's contract was um, done in a way. So, yes, he can have a team built around him. But Connor McDavid is worth every. Penny of that twelve point five million dollar contract, I wouldn't pay him any less. You kind of have to pay Connor McDavid that, or else you're not going to have him on your team.
1: Yeah, Edmonton has gotten to where they are on the backs of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl alone. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs, in a seven game series, where you have, when you're only looking at the Oilers and you know that once you shut down McDavid and Dreisler, you shut down the entire team, you can't win a couple on that. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA for the past couple seasons. They have the best record in the NBA, get to the playoffs, they shut down Giannis, they shut down the team, and they don't get anywhere near winning a chip. I think it's the same with Edmonton. You need that depth and you need people who can be relied upon to get those big goals other than McDavid and Drysaddle.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the Oilers record with and without McDavid with McDavid, they're, they have 106, three wins, 148 losses and 31 overtime and shootout losses without McDavid. They're 15, 19 and seven, uh, their goals per game go from 2.88 to 2.17, um, that's as expected but the fact that if you take one player and this was as of uh about a year ago february of 2020 if in what is that just over 30 games you have a losing record um and it's not even just like a little and losing like you're four games below and plus you got seven overtime losses like it's pretty clear his value to the team, but what value is the team to him?
0: That wraps up our round table with Kobe, Ethan, Spencer, and myself, your host, Azam. Catch you guys next time, only on post to post exclusively on CMRU.ca. Bye students for you.